so there's, you know, some personal reasons, but also, you know, from a business standpoint, it's actually really quite simple and embracing diversity in the workplace isn't just the right thing to do. It's good business. Free to Grow in Forestry, a podcast working to move forestry forward. Canadian Institute of Forestry and the Center for Social Intelligence proudly present the Free to Grow in Forestry podcast. The Free to Grow in Forestry initiative was launched to create a diverse and inclusive workplace culture where all Canadians feel they belong. We believe strongly that inclusive cultures not only strengthen our Canadian forest sector economy, but also create resilient and healthy communities. This podcast seeks out guests from all aspects of the forest sector, from the C-suite to every part of the underrepresented communities, to open up the dialogue on issues of concern and points of view so that everyone has greater knowledge and understanding of each other. By unearthing these discussions, we hope to stimulate greater empathy and respect for all people, opening up the forest sector to be more welcoming and accepting of everyone. For our first episode, we are pleased to be joined by our host, Kelly Cooper, founder and CEO of the Center for Social Intelligence, and our first guest, Stephen Mackey, Executive Vice President, North American Operations at Canfor. Canfor is one of the world's largest producers of sustainable lumber, pulp and paper, as well as North America's leader in green energy production. Canfor has been making significant progress on inclusion and diversity and positioning itself as a leader in the forest sector, and we are excited to hear more from Stephen about their journey. This session was recorded live on April 26, 2021. Welcome everyone to the inaugural Free to Grow in Forestry podcast. I'm very excited to be here with you today to kick off this important podcast series where we'll be speaking with people from across the forest sector, ranging from the C-suite to all underrepresented groups in an effort to open the channel of communication on diversity and inclusion issues. My company, the Center for Social Intelligence, is a diversity and inclusion arm to the Free to Grow initiative. And our goal is to open up the floor in this podcast series to allow people to share their stories so that everyone can understand each other better, ultimately creating a greater sense of belonging for all people in the forest sector. We believe by having greater understanding and through that greater empathy, people will be more comfortable bringing their whole selves to work. By doing so, this supportive workplace culture will be a magnet for top talent, spurring greater innovation, higher financial targets, and better business outcomes, helping Canada's forest sector to be economically competitive in the global market. Today, I'm joined by Stephen Mackey, Executive Vice President, North American Operations at Canfor. Thank you for being with us today, Stephen, and for giving us some insight into Canfor's strategic business decision to pursue diversity and inclusion as a priority. Good morning, Kelly. Uh, thank you for, uh, for having me here with you today. It's a pleasure to be here. Stephen, are you able to give us a little context for how you got into the forest sector? Where did you begin your career and what motivated you to start in the forest sector? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question, Kelly, and a, you know, probably a bit more happenstance than maybe a good, good luck and good rather than good planning. But uh, I grew up in a small forest industry town, and so I ended up going to work in the sector at quite a young age. I think I uh, first started working in sawmills when I was uh, about 16. So as soon as I had a car and was old enough to go and get a set of work boots and go to work, I, I ended up working in uh, sawmills. So Okay. Um, and I did that for a few years while I went, uh, you know, obviously finished uh, finished high school. And then I actually worked.
worked a couple of years after high school before deciding that um, that I wanted to go back to university and get a uh, get a degree. So I did that, and I went to UBC and got a commerce degree. And when it came time to get a job after university, um, you know, really what I had done was worked in the forest sector, both in sawmills and pulp mills and sort of paid my way through university by working in the operations. And I was presented with an opportunity to go and work for a company back up in the interior, sort of northern interior of British Columbia in the forest sector. And so paired with a, a bit of a bit of learning and a little bit of understanding maybe out of uh, university, it seemed like a, a good path for me to go and pursue. And I've been in the operational side of our business really for my entire career and have uh, been with a couple of really great companies that have given me the opportunity to grow and learn and develop and be exposed to everything from our customers and markets through significant capital programs, which I've uh, managed uh, within Canfor and, and oversaw a bunch of our capital investments and participated in the growth of this company, our company, through M&A activity down in the U.S. South and seen our, our company evolve and grow and expand its demographic or sorry expand its geographic footprint uh, around the world and so it's been really exciting i've had a fantastic career it uh, when i reflect on it i'll date myself a little bit and i've been at this uh, a while and that's uh, probably 25 years cumulatively and you know i'm really excited still every day when i get to go to work and engage with our people and help uh, try to help them be the best that they can be and solve problems and and meet our customers needs that's great. Like what depth of experience uh, you have to offer can for major asset. That's great. Okay. So how about we start off with telling us about why you agreed to be here today? Why is inclusion and diversity in the workplace important to you? Thanks, Kelly. Yeah, it's, uh, it's my privilege to be here actually to help support this important initiative for our sector and for our company. Inclusion and diversity is something that I'm quite passionate about, actually. So there are plenty of good reasons that motivate me to want to create a more diverse and inclusive work environment for our people. But I also have some personal reasons as well. My wife, Jennifer, and I have three wonderful children. Well, they're teenagers, so I guess at some moments they're a little less wonderful than others. <laughs> but just kidding. They're just, yeah, just kidding. They're great. And uh, we really are very lucky. We have two sons and one daughter, and I often think about our business and our company and find myself asking whether we have created a culture and an, and an environment that I would feel comfortable sending my kids to work in. Mm -hmm. Would they be safe? You know, would they feel um, respected? Would they be treated fairly, listened to, valued? Mm -hmm. Would they feel comfortable and be given an opportunity to contribute, learn, grow, and succeed? And I think these are, this is something that I often reflect on, uh, particularly as it relates to my daughter. Mm -hmm. you know, she's a courageous, intelligent young woman, and she deserves every opportunity in life that will be afforded to her brothers. She's certainly every bit as capable. Yeah, that's great. It's it's interesting you say that because a lot of men in your position, I think when they have daughters, they start to look at things even more closely in this regard, right? They start to think, hey, maybe what I was doing before in some capacity, uh, I didn't see all the things, but now that I have that uh, part of my life with a daughter, it, it just sheds new lights on, on insights on things. Yeah, there's, there's no question you apply, you know, I find myself looking at uh, through the lens of a, as a father at mm -hmm. some of the aspects of our business and some of the things that happen in our company or have historically happened in our industry. 
and my, you know, my wife has some experience in our industry as well. She worked in the sector, you know, it's probably 30 years ago now, but I would say she had some experiences in our business that, but that I don't want to um, have our daughter's experience or any woman within our sector. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. So there's, you know, some personal reasons, but also, you know, from a business standpoint, it's actually really quite simple. And embracing diversity in the workplace isn't just the right thing to do. It's good business. Diverse and inclusive teams perform better. They're more creative and innovative. They solve problems with greater speed and ingenuity. They make better decisions faster, which ultimately leads to better business outcomes and performance. You know, our organization operates in a global marketplace. We serve a diverse customer base worldwide, which requires our organization to be equally diverse in order to better understand and meet the needs of our customers. So, Kelly, I feel like I have a personal stake in this conversation, and I also care deeply about this industry and our organization and believe we need to be much more intentional and deliberate about IND to catch up to other sectors. Yeah, for sure. And your economic view on that is critical in this conversation. And I think you have a lot to share and teach others on that journey. So five years ago, um, Canfor made an executive commitment to inclusion and diversity. This was way ahead of the curve for forest sector companies in Canada. What was it that led Canfor to take this action? Um, you know, I'm, I'm not sure that I would describe us as well ahead of the curve, Kelly. And I mean, I appreciate your perspective on that. I, I still think we have a lot that we can learn from others within our sector and from other industries. And we're working hard to learn on this topic and advance IND initiatives every day within our organization. But that said, yeah, in, in 2016, I think, you know, to Don Kane, our, who was our president and CEO, to his credit, he signed the Minerva Foundation CEO Pledge on behalf of our organization, effectively agreeing to create opportunities to support the advancement of women and leadership within within Canfor. I think making this pledge was an important first step within our company, and I think signaled a change in focus and direction for us. And as an executive team, we also committed to being personally accountable for advancing diversity within Canfor and ensuring it's a priority across the entire organization. Our views are that every employee in our company has a role to play in contributing to fostering an inclusive workplace culture, and we need to ensure that all employees understand this expectation and have the tools and training necessary to, to support this objective. I think for our team and for me personally, being committed to diversity means that we'll continue to evolve our work environments and our culture to ensure that we appeal as an employer to all peoples and that all of our team members have a voice and an opportunity to succeed. Yeah, that's excellent. And um, when I think about just making that commitment or that pledge that you speak about, um, how important that really is, because right now I'm working on the Allies Toolkit for the Free to Grow Initiative. And one of the things I'm talking about in there is how, uh, as allies, we need to make a pledge to say this. And then somehow by putting it out there in the public domain, it, it kind of holds us accountable, right? So we have to we have to live up to that expectation. And I think um, many people probably don't appreciate how just taking that step as a pledge or as a commitment in a public setting um, drives you toward action. So that's really good. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I, I totally agree. I mean, that putting it out there, as you say, makes it uh, does does enhance your accountability to that. And that, you know, that's the message that Dawn and, and effectively the rest of our team delivered to the organization and, and we hold ourselves accountable to it. Yeah, that's excellent. And so how is developing a more inclusive culture and diverse workforce 
changing your business? Like, are you seeing the impact it's having in your head office or in the mills? Yeah, absolutely, Kelly. I think the actions that we've taken so far to raise awareness and promote this initiative within the company are having a profound impact across all facets of our, of our business. Now, there's probably not as much uh, water cooler impact as, uh, <laughs> as we uh, would like um, because over days, the last yeah. year, yeah, exactly. Over the last year, there hasn't been uh, too much water cooler action because of the global pandemic. Um, but we look forward to that changing and, and you know those conversations returning soon. But I would say that the conversations in our organization are changing and conversations change behavior. So I think it's really quite exciting what's happening. And the bottom line is our workforce of the future does not look like our workforce today. Even today, the demographics of our workforce do not adequately reflect the demographics of the regions that we operate in, which is ultimately our goal is to have our workforce be reflective of the demographics of where we operate. And our industry lags behind other sectors when it comes to IND and some of them we lag behind some of our competitors within our sector as well. Our people are our most valuable resource and are what will allow CAMPOR to differentiate our performance from our competitors. So we know that we need to ensure our organization and our culture appeals to the widest range of people as possible going forward. Yeah. Well, it's interesting you point out the water cooler or the lack thereof these days, because um, I'm wondering with the inclusive culture mentality that you have running through the company, how um, things have been affected with online um workforce, essentially, how, uh, like when we look at underrepresented groups, we think of uh, those with disabilities as well. And within that context, we think of mental health issues. Um, are you faced with any of that? And how is Canfor uh, working in that space? Yeah, I think certainly we have uh, we have faced that. I think like everyone has, Kelly, and, and, you know, there's a heightened awareness within our organization around the challenges associated of, or presented to people through the global pandemic and the mental health impacts and the potential for, for all, all people to face some level of isolation and disconnection from the organization. I'm really impressed with the, the work of our teams and leaders across our organization have taken a proactive step an approach to trying to connect with people. You know, like everyone, we're becoming quite proficient on Zoom and every other virtual meeting technology platform that's out there. But it's a real challenge. And, you know, maybe when I get into a couple of other things um, later on, I'll talk a little bit about how we've delivered um, a significant amount of training virtually. So there has been some positive impacts as well. But I think as we, you know, as we look at this this question and the challenge of, of how do we create a more diverse workforce and culture, you know, I, I think for us, it's already a significant challenge to find the people that we need to ensure we can de- deliver the results that we expect. And with growing pressure on labor pools across all regions that we operate in, it's only getting more difficult. And our efforts to build a more inclusive and diverse workforce will allow us to fully leverage the talent pools available to us globally and regionally where we operate. This means working as well to change the image of our industry, Kelly. I think you'd appreciate this, that you know our sector is often viewed as a bit of an old industry and has even sometimes been referred to as a sunset industry. But from my perspective, this couldn't be further from the truth. Mm-hmm. Forest industry today is incredibly exciting with a very bright future. We employ highly specialized advanced technologies that support ever-increasing automation, innovation, and a digital transformation within the sector. We're a positive part of the global climate change solution with growing demand for products like mass timber, expanding opportunities for wood products beyond their traditional uses, 
and emerging and innovative solutions in biofuels and sustainability that are supporting the development of a more circular economy. And it's a sector that offers a diverse range of careers on a global scale. By diversifying our workforce, we will be better positioned with talented people with the new and different skills required to advance our objectives in bioinnovation, digitalization, ESG, and other areas so that we can we can advance and achieve our objectives on a go-forward basis. So we think it's a really exciting time in our business. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Like what you're doing on the environmental side, but then now to be focusing it on the social side, essentially of sustainable development, just to, makes it a powerhouse for uh, the economic returns that a business has. Um, so I, I totally agree with that. So with the significant progress that an IND and positioning yourself as a leader in the industry like you have, can you share any of the highlights on your journey um, and what's next for Canfor? Yeah, I can. And uh, I would, I think the, the description of it as a journey is, uh, is very accurate. And, you know, I'm not sure if we're a leader in this regard, but we are pleased with our effort and attention and progress. Uh, and, you know, this is that progress is impacting all parts of our organization. And we've, we've got some great leaders working to support the advancement of this initiative. And we really are proud of the recognition that our human resources team has received in 2020, having been awarded the Canadian Human Resources Civil, Silver Award for Excellence in Inclusion and Diversity. Yeah, that is awesome. So we're, yeah, so we're, we're, really, we're really proud of them and we're pleased with our progress, but we have much more to do. One of the, uh, with respect to the journey and some of the highlights, Kelly, what I'd say is one of the, the key highlights for us has been the creation of a diversity council. The council is comprised of a diverse group of people from across our company charged with guiding our IND efforts, establishing a roadmap, prioritizing actions to execute our plans, and ensuring sustainment. Council has been instrumental in making sure that we consider the perspectives and views of a broad group of employees and that our activities are properly aligned with where we are in our journey. To date, building awareness, acknowledgement, and a strong foundation has been our priority within our IND strategy. It's hard to address problems that you don't see or don't understand. So we've been working diligently to raise awareness amongst our entire workforce and establish a common understanding of why this is a priority for us. We've done that, Kelly, and we talked about this a little bit earlier. We've, we've done it through delivering a significant amount of training, most of which was delivered virtually, and, and our teams pivoted very effectively in 2020 through the pandemic to still achieve our objectives and actually surpass our, our delivery goals with respect to training. But it started with IND Essentials training, which we have, uh, you know, the entire executive team has been through. About 95% of our Canadian leadership teams and almost 85% of our U.S.-based staff, who actually were not even originally scheduled in 2020, have participated in this training. So that's, that's really raising the awareness across our organization. We've also completed Indigenous Cultural Awareness Training which is an in-house developed training program delivered by a couple of remarkable Indigenous women in our organization. And we've now seen more than 65% of our Canadian staff having been through this so far. We've developed uh, training around interviewing and you know, competency-based hiring practices focused on candidate capabilities and a, and a focus on reducing bias as well. And that training has been delivered to more than 300 managers across our organization. So lots of training to really develop awareness, Kelly, is, uh, has been one of the fundamental and foundational building blocks for us. Well, that's amazing. And I think the listeners will join me with thinking that you're being rather humble about your leadership in the sector, because those facts and figures you've just shared are phenomenal uh, in terms of engagement and IND training and, uh, you know, just the regular uptake of all that is, is excellent. 
Yeah, again, and I think our our people across the organization, along with our HR teams that uh, you know that really drive this and, and deliver this training, are to be commended. Our folks in the organization make time and and it a priority to attend the training, and our team has just done a fantastic job of delivering it uh, virtually. So so it's really impressive. And and on top of the training, we're also working to tackle some systemic barriers and get a few you know maybe actions or initiatives that I just talk about for a moment in that regard. And you know some some of them. Uh, seemingly simple, but have a significant impact, like our job postings. We've revamped the postings to eliminate gender bias through the use of gender neutral language. And the results have been very encouraging, which I guess just goes to show that even the little things really do matter. Yes, we have. uh, We've yeah, we've launched an indigenous talent pilot program, which is uh, designed to attract Indigenous candidates and connect them with career opportunities through additional guidance, skill matching, access to advisors, and interview preparation, as well as provide continued support throughout the employee life cycle. We've seen some significant success and an increase in our ability to hire and retain Indigenous peoples as a result of these efforts. And we've also done... Uh, We've also done a lot with respect to mentorship and leadership development, and we've established formal leadership and development and mentorship programs, and all of these leadership development programs have diversity goals and objectives. And in our mentorship program today, more than 56% of the participants are women, which is a really impressive stat. Those are impressive statistics, and I I think anyone who's going to listen to this podcast will be calling can for immediately <laughs> to, to uh, learn more and want to maybe even work there. Uh, it's really impressive stuff. So, okay, that's, that's great. So in your experience, what are the challenges faced by members of historically underrepresented groups in the forest sector? Do you have any lessons learned on the strategies you've applied that you can share with listeners that could help other forest companies who are just starting out on their DNI journey? Well, I, I mean, I know what we, I can can share some of what we've experienced, and I think you know historically, women, Indigenous peoples, visible minorities, persons living with a disability, have unfortunately faced barriers in many workplaces. And having grown up in the forest industry and worked in a number of, uh, of forest industry communities across British Columbia myself, I've seen firsthand that our industry, unfortunately, has been no different with respect to those barriers. You know, our unfortunately, our physical work environment in our business did not always lend itself to a broad spectrum of employees, but we're working hard to change that through the adoption of technology and enhancement of our work environment, along with the efforts that we've spoken about today to change the cultural environment in in our facilities as well. In terms of lessons learned, Kelly, um, you know, again, I uh, hopefully there's something in here today that others can take away, but we're, we're equally excited and open to learning from others as well. So I, I look forward to hearing from people that have things to share that we might take away and learn from. But I think every industry and every company will probably have a different approach to addressing inclusion and diversity. But I think the key is to be genuine in your desire to affect positive change and to take action. Without action and demonstrable improvement, you'll lose credibility and potentially cause more harm than good. So I think for us, we created a diversity blueprint to share with our employees. Back to that point that you'd made earlier around being transparent and accountable. And this is this identifies the specific actions that we will take and a, diversific- a people diversification plan that identifies 21 actions that we're taking to build inclusion, diversity, and equity within our workplace. Our overall strategy has been one of inclusiveness, where we've identified workforce diversification as a strategic imperative. We're committed to improving opportunities for all employees, including a strong focus on underrepresented groups at Canfor. We expect our employees to demonstrate respect at all times 
And every employee has a role in creating a more inclusive work environment. We hold ourselves accountable by tracking results and using data and surveys and benchmarks to assess how we're performing, where we're making progress, and where we still need to improve. And we believe that a diverse workforce initiative is not owned uh, by any one employee or any one department, as I mentioned. And every employee has a role to play in creating a culture that is inclusive at our at our company. And we think that uh, inclusive leadership must infuse our culture and our behavior and influence everything that we do every day. So we're not yet where we want to be. We have many challenges still to overcome, but we're making progress and we're committed to the journey. For us, next, you know, in terms of what's next, it really is, uh, it's about restating our commitment and reinforcing our commitment to workforce diversity within our organizations through a rollout of a refresh company values, which we're going to be doing this year. We're launching some employee network groups, which are resource groups with executive sponsors to create a forum to advance employee group specific initiatives. We're starting this with women, indigenous and black employee groups, and we're quite excited about where this will take us and how this will inform future actions within the organization. And we're, we're continuing to expand our IND Essentials training to our hourly team members so that we can continue to raise awareness across the organization. We're looking to address systemic barriers and we'll use our diversity council to inform and prioritize our actions in that regard. And we're advancing our development of goals and measures and key performance indicator tracking through a dashboard to enhance transparency and accountability, again, all with the efforts to all with the intent to measure our efforts and our progress and ensure we're on track and continuing to advance this important initiative. Wow, that's excellent. Like the ERGs, the employee resource groups, I, I've uh, uh, those are a great window of insight to be gained by senior management. Um, and it benefits, of course, the employees as well, because they have um, a place that is um, a forum for sharing ideas and it's a win-win. So it's good to hear Absolutely. you have that. And, and all the other pieces you've mentioned are like basically a strong framework for the organization to build from and, and really create a a thriving, uh, inclusive culture. So that's excellent. Yeah, well, we, we hope so, Kelly, for sure. We hope so. Again, we've got a long, a long way to go, but we are, we are pleased with the progress so far and, and the attention and, and effort that this is drawing and getting in our organization and, and really how it's starting to change behaviors already, which is really nice to see. And what's your view on it across the sector overall? Like, do you see your peers uh, taking the torch like this? Are you seeing quick uptake, slow uptake? What's your perspective on that? Yeah, I think that um, I think that it is. You know, I think it is. It's changing within our sector, uh, Kelly, for sure. And I do think that we're not alone in advancing these initiatives. I think other organizations and our peers, the the companies that we're close to and that we speak with, are certainly um, taking their own initiatives and they're on their own journey. And again, I think on on any particular aspect of it, we would find some of our peers are ahead of us or. Maybe they're slightly behind on other aspects. So I think we're all moving through this journey, you know, with a little different intention and a little different focus, maybe on on specific actions or activities. But I think genuinely, when I speak to other leaders and my counterparts across the sector, everyone recognizes the need to change. And we need to create an environment that is appealing, again, to a broad base of employees globally, or we won't get the talented individuals that we need to allow us to deliver the business results that we're looking for. And that's true of our competitors as well. Again, the financial argument is very compelling, mm-hmm. and along with it being the right thing to do. Exactly. 
Exactly. Well, thank you very much, Stephen, for taking the time to speak with us today. I know that uh, I've enjoyed listening to all that you are doing at Canfor and all of your awards you're getting and the uh, are, are, are sharing the uh, view that you guys are, are doing great things. So keep up the great work. And, um, and I'm excited to hear what uh, comes next. Do you want to give us a bit of an insight on where Canfor is heading on things next? Well, I think, uh, yeah, some of uh, some of what I was trying to touch on there in terms of what's next is, is again, just sort of reinforcing our commitment to this initiative. And, and that means talking about it openly within our organization. And we are going to refresh our values, our company values. We're going to roll those out that will, again, reinforce our commitment to workforce diversity. Um, we Those employee resource groups or employee network groups that we spoke about with the executive sponsors, I think those will really work and serve to advance uh, group-specific initiatives. And, and to your point, we'll offer a really strong two-way learning and sharing of, an idea, of ideas and challenges that will give us executive exposure to the needs of those groups. Um, expanding our ID Essentials training to include our hourly team members. You know, this will be a significant undertaking for our organization. And but most of our people are working out in the business, and there are hourly employees working out on the shop floor. And really, we need to raise the awareness and understanding amongst that group, and and give everyone the tools to understand the expectations and the the background and the training to allow them to affect change and play their part and and their role with respect to creating an inclusive culture. While we continue to tackle, you know, some of the systemic barriers that our diversity council will advise us on and and prioritize some of the actions to address. And I think that goals and measures piece that I touched on, Kelly, is also really important. Well, we'll we'll look to continue to develop additional goals and measures, key performance indicators, and create dashboards to track our progress, enhance transparency and accountability in the organization. So we're excited about where this will take us and, and how we can continue to evolve and continue to uh, grow our appeal as a global employer to a broader set of individuals and tap into the talent that we need to deliver the business objectives that we've got as an organization. Yes, definitely. That's awesome. Well, thanks, Stephen, for being here today and kicking off our podcast series with us as our first guest. No, well, that's uh, no problem. It's uh, fantastic, and you know, I'm I'm honored to uh, to be the first one. And I'm sure as you as your podcast grows in popularity, you'll be able to attract better participants than me, Kelly. I'm sure. So. <laughs> well, I don't know about that. You put the bar pretty high, but uh, it's been great having Canfor here. You in particular, um, just to hear all the you know your your personal experience with your career. Uh, the depth of it, I didn't realize. And, uh, and just to be having that, you know, added to the can for powerhouse of what you guys are doing on DNI is just, uh, is just great. So no, I think having you as the first podcast interview is a great signal to the forest sector overall, because I think a lot of them are just waking up to this. You're quite humble, I think, with what you've said. But I do think that there's a lot of them that, as I was saying in my presentation um, for International Women's Day on the Free to Grow project, the sector's moving from what we call laggards to leaders. And uh, they're doing it in a very short period of time. And it starts with the awareness. And now that people get the economics or are waking up to the economics of it all and the business benefits, they're like competing now with each other. Right. So, Good. Uh, and Great. I think that's, that's what we want, right. We want to yep. leverage that um, for social good, 
you know, so we actually achieve sustainable development in its entirety. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, it's an exciting time, you know, in our business and, and, and in other sectors. So, you know, I, I, yeah, I mean, I'm, I do maintain that we have a lot more to learn than, uh, than we can probably offer yet in this, on this front, but I'll tell you our teams and you know, you know them. I mean, yeah. the folks, some of the folks that are the real champions and advocates of this within our organization are doing a fantastic job and we're, we're really, uh, really fortunate to have them and folks like Kara and Katie and others that are really, uh, really making a big difference in our organization. That's great. Okay. Well, thank you very much, Stephen, for your time today. As I said, it's been a pleasure talking with you and meeting you. And um, I'll be watching what uh, Canfor does next with great excitement. Well, thanks, Kelly. It's been a pleasure to to be here today and speak with you. And you know, thank you for all your work on this front and look forward to continuing to learn from you and others in this field. Thank you. Gender, diversity, and inclusion are crucial to the advancement of a thriving and resilient forest sector. As we continue to grow and change, we all have a role to play in making our sector a place where everyone has the support they need to succeed and thrive. For more information on how you can take action and help make a difference, follow Free to Grow in Forestry on social media or visit us at www.freetogrowinforestry.ca. And if you have a story you think should be heard about an experience you have had or what you'd like to see happen in the Canadian forest sector workforce, we'd love to hear from you. Please email us at freetogrowinforestry at cif-ifc.org. Together, we can move forestry forward.